Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into another episode of In the Gun. I'm Skylar Callen. Joined with me is the signal caller, Jed Drenning. The other day, Jed and I talked about college football playoff expansion. Today, we're going to talk about Big 12, ACC expansion, Big 10, all this stuff with conference realignment. There's a lot of moving pieces to this whole thing, and it's going to look really crazy here in a few years. Actually, starting next year, the Big 12 will be moving from uh, what it is now to 14 up to 16 with the newcomers coming in, Oklahoma and Texas departing for the SEC. Uh, so it's it's going to be crazy. But uh, quick here, a word from uh, our friends here at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use your promo code BELIEVE, and that's B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit. Bet online where the game begins. And where we start, Jed, is just this whole craziness of, of conference realignment. We've, we've been trying to get on top of it. It's, it seems like there's something new out there every single day. Um, the Big 12's kind of calmed down a little bit now. It seems like we've heard reports that they're done. Um, you, as you and I talked about the other day, I don't know if that's ever really going to be the case with yeah. Mark at the, at the helm, but uh, talk about just, let's start with the big 12 first. Do you feel like they are done? And if so, why do you feel like Brett, your Mark would be okay with the 16 that they have right now moving forward? Well, I'd start with this. Uh, where was this content when we could have used it in May and June? Yes, seriously. <laughs> why wait until camp opens across the country and you should be focused on nothing but real football. But instead, here we go with all these distractions and these bigger really picture funny. conversations. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know what? Brett Yormark is pretty savvy. And he's demonstrated that across the board since he settled into that seat. Uh, when you look at the, the boxes that he was trying to check, box number one, he wanted to find the most expeditious and seamless way to exit Oklahoma and Texas. Mission accomplished. Uh, he wanted to, box number two, uh, strike a new media deal. Uh, mission accomplished and an even more favorable media deal than what we had with Oklahoma and Texas. So moving forward for the next six, seven years, we're looking at a pretty solid media deal, uh, including, uh, I think, the, the key where he really outmaneuvered people, and we've talked about this many times, was getting the media members and the media partners, the TV partners, to agree that, hey, if you can entice more P5 members in, we'll give them an equal share right out of the gate. And that's one of the reasons we were able to get those four teams from the Pac-12, in addition to the four newbies we already had coming. Now, part number three, and this would be box number three, one of the things he talked about early in his tenure, he wanted to aggressively expand, but be sensible about it, right? So uh, he's certainly done that. Now, the question is, is that over? Uh, well, maybe over for now, but this is a much longer term conversation. I mean, if you want to really get out of the weeds and talk massive picture from 30,000 feet up, I think college football is headed towards some kind of shakeup over the next handful of years that's going to end up with some version of three leagues. Uh, Power Five is already an antiquated term with what's happened to the Pac-12, right? Uh, unless they really find a way to scramble and push their fist up out of the grave. 
uh, with four members remaining and do something with the Mountain West or whoever knows what. But uh, I think you're going to land with three conferences, but ultimately those three may even turn into two. Yeah. Two two really large conferences, right? Uh, so down the road, who knows what plays out, but you could entertain a lot of possibilities here. In other words, we kind of saw from what happened with the Pac-12. Yes, the Apple deal wasn't enough to carry the day, but let's not sneeze the fact that Apple, as a streaming service, was prepared to pay $19.7 million per school just for the streaming side. Now, there was no linear partner with the Pac-12 from a traditional TV sense. That was what was they're undoing, right? But but Apple was almost $20 million itself, okay? I mean, Apple's market cap is like 10 times Disney's. So if Apple wants to get in the sandbox and play, boy, can they. So you have to think that at some point pretty quickly, in the next handful of years, as these things seem to be happening more quickly and more quickly, there will be streaming services involved on some level in conjunction with the TV side of things as more and more people unplug, right? Uh, but that that's what's going to be interesting. And if, in fact, that happens, is it going to become about subs, about subscriptions, about streaming subscriptions? And, Skyler, you and I talked offline about well, if that happens, don't you have to at least entertain the possibility of the academy schools? Because you talk about something that could has a national following and could drive subscriptions. Well, the academy schools could do that. But how much do they move the needle from an on-the-field football product standpoint? I, I, again, these are all conversations you have to explore. If you're sitting in a commissioner's seat chair for one of these conferences and somebody does come to you asking, hey, uh, can we join? Can we be part of your league? Well, you better not dismiss them out of hand. You better vet them. You better look and determine what true value they bring. Because if you don't bring them in the fold, one of your competitors might. Uh, so there's no guarantee that even though we look like the third best option in the land right now, it stays that way if we misplay our hand. I mean, there's no promise. Look, we had to drag Utah and Arizona State basically kicking and screaming into the Big 12. They, they didn't want to do this. They wanted to remain in the Pac-12. They wanted there to be a Pac-12. But is there any guarantee that Utah and Arizona State wouldn't jump back at the opportunity to align themselves with some cluster of Western teams if it's if it's an inviting prospect? I, I don't know. So for now, you would think going into the season, how much more news can we possibly handle, right? <laughs> uh, but bear in mind, when Missouri left the old Big 12 to make the leap into the SEC, do you remember when that news unfolded, Skyler? For some reason, I want to say, was it during the season? It was in November yeah. of the year before they were going to start in the SEC. So yeah. you talk about the 11th hour. So don't rule anything out. I mean, anything could happen all the way up through the end of the season. We've learned from that with Missouri's timeline in November. First week in November, they were a member of the old Big 12. Middle of November, they're announcing, hey, next year we're not going to be here. We're actually going to be in the SEC. Recalibrate your schedules, SEC, because we're going to be part of it. So who knows? But you you would think that how much more can shake loose imminently, at least on the Big 12 front. I mean, the ACC is talking about some things that will hit quickly in a second. But on the Big 12 front, I, I don't know, but never underestimate Brett Yormark. If he sees something of value – he doesn't care about what time of year it is. He's going to aggressively jump at it. He's demonstrated that many times. So we'll see. 
Yeah, I mean, we've even heard about Gonzaga and UConn as potentially basketball members only, and or maybe even UConn as a full-fledged member. So, I mean, who knows what that's going to look like. I I don't think that we'll see your mark bring anybody in just for basketball only. I mean, it's already a, a very strong league basketball-wise. So, I, I don't think that they Two would. Two thoughts on that, Skyler. Go ahead and finish your thought. I don't think that they would do that, but as – you and I talked about the other day. I, I could see a reason why your Mark would want to do that. He's going to want to build up that basketball league to his fullest advantage because if the SEC is going to take over football, this is his, his opportunity to say, we're going to do the same in basketball. And I, I 100% agree with that point. And that's point number one. Point number one would be you at least want to be positioned of threatened to box everyone else out of a national championship basketball tournament if they play hardball on the football front. And adding Gonzaga and Arizona, or excuse me, adding Gonzaga and UConn as two more blue bloods would certainly do that in addition to what we already have, right? If, if push comes to shove and it gets that bloody and that vicious. But anyway, a point number two would be, Again, when you're exploring other revenue streams and other revenue options, we're, yes, we have a robust media rights deal. And yes, it was more favorable than most expected absent Oklahoma and Texas moving forward. But you still have a pretty extensive gap, chasm to overcome if you're going to continue to chase the ever-growing dollars of the Big Ten and the SEC. You can't give up that chase. You've got to do your part to continue to grow as well. And the only way you're going to do that is if you have outside-the-box thinking. So maybe as a revenue stream, the basketball side of things represents that. If we're talking about having concerts at stadiums and these types of things, well, then, of course, you're going to talk about the possibility of a Gonzaga and UConn basketball only proposition. Because, yes, basketball has nowhere near uh, the money that football does. Football is the breadwinner. No question about it. But that doesn't mean that basketball can't generate revenue. Right. So maybe if you're just looking at it as purely as a revenue stream and how you can get that thing really cooking to erode that gap a little bit, again, you got to keep chasing the SEC and the Big Ten because those numbers they have are going to grow. So we better make sure and solidify the fact that our numbers are going to grow. Maybe he would look at it like that. So those would be the two reasons that, that maybe he would entertain that. Yeah, and as always, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Toothman Ford. Uh, we all know cars cost less than Grafton, so go stop by and see the folks down there. Uh, they'll take great care of you. Uh, they've done great stuff with West Virginia here in the last uh, really few months. And I think uh, I think I speak for everyone in saying that they are the best in the business. So uh, go yes, down sir. and see the guys down there, Toothman Ford. Um, so um, moving to the ACC, Jed, I don't know what their their next move is because it feels like to me they're in a position of they either have to make a move or somebody else within or somebody within that conference is going to make a move and it's going to be the the start of the crumble of the league, right? I mean, it, it's it yeah. really seems like that. Florida State's been pounding at the table, saying we want more money. Clemson, we've heard some other schools as well. Uh, I think even at one point there's like six or seven of them that were making their frustrations known. If they don't do something, and I don't know if the, the perfect solution is adding the four remaining Pac-12 schools, because to me that that just seems like there's no value there at all. But it, is that really their only choice right now? Do, do, the, do you think that there's a, a second option to maybe start poaching from other leagues? I mean, could they even reach out to West Virginia? I, I saw the ESPN report that said that, you know, they ran a model with West Virginia. West, to me, West Virginia is not leaving the Big 12 as, as stable as it is. They're not going to leave 
the Big 12 for a conference like the ACC that's has no true stable future at this point. But w- what is the ACC's best options? Well, let, let's start with this. When you have the comparisons that people make between the non-Big 10, non-SEC leagues, more specifically, that leaves you with the ACC and the Big 12. I think the comparisons might be unfair because I've stated many times, when you look at what the Big 12 has as we speak, I would view it as the post-apocalyptic version of the Big 12. We've survived the onslaught. We lost our blue bloods. It already happened. Now, after it happened, here is where we landed, and we seem to be in pretty good shape. Everybody kind of gets the growing sense. The ACC might go through that, but hasn't yet. Yeah, they might be top-heavy with some national title contenders right now. Is that going to last? Because what's interesting, when you talk about expansion, when you talk about bringing other teams into the ACC fold, the two things that always come to the fore are the grant of rights and the TV deal. Their media rights deals through 2036. Now, what's interesting about this grant of rights, locking all those schools into it. Now, first of all, it was signed during a chaotic time when any port in a storm they wanted some element of stability with defection is taking place at every turn. So they, they felt at the time this gave them that long-term stability. Now, in, in retrospect, we can see how ill-advised that was, yeah. right? But it's interesting to me that every school in the ACC has had a team of lawyers take a long, hard look, pop the hood on the grant of rights, and really check it out. And half of them did that to see if there's a way to get out of it. But just as interestingly, the other half had had their teams of lawyers check it out to make sure that nobody can get out of it because they don't want them to escape. Right. So but let's just assume that there is some way that ultimately you do have an FSU or a Clemson pay the king's ransom, maybe with in conjunction with the Big Ten or the SEC, whatever the case might be, and slip free. It's going to be very difficult, but let's say, let's assume maybe it happens at some point. Well, part of this might be, it seems like a PR stunt when you're talking, you know, some version of Stanford, Cal, maybe SMU has been mentioned, but maybe they're just from a numbers standpoint, trying to stay out in front of that. Hey, if we're going to lose FSU or potentially Clemson and FSU, the numbers at least have to be there. We'll worry about the product later, but the numbers have to be there. Now, the other consideration, when you talk about Stanford isolated out there on the West Coast in Palo Alto, They do have a dance partner here, and I have to think behind closed doors, Notre Dame, with their football affiliation in the ACC, wants to take care of their dance partner in Stanford. They don't want Stanford left behind. I mean, you hear so many people talking about if if Notre Dame is to ever join the Big Ten, it might be in tandem with Stanford because Stanford has a history. It's a rivalry there. So maybe part of this with the ACC at least extending an olive branch to Stanford is at the behest of Notre Dame. Who really knows? But something to consider about Stanford. And I've heard this discussed, but probably not thoroughly enough. I don't know how many people understand. David Shaw did a great job in taking over that program for Coach Harbaugh. But in recent times, they've fallen on hard times. Okay, now really you could argue, when did that start? Right about the time of COVID, right about the time of the portal, right about the time of NIL, right about the time of what we call college football 2.0, this new game, okay? Now, what is every team in America doing to succeed right now and fill the holes in their roster? Every year, every offseason, more so than ever now with the portal and NIL, what are you doing? You're receiving transfers, predominantly undergrad transfers. There are some grad transfers, of course, but those were always transferring, and not always, but in the last 15 years, we're transferring anyway. 
most of these, the lion's share of these portal kids are undergrad transfers. The lion's share of these NIL deals are undergrad transfers. Guess what Stanford doesn't accept? Transfer. Undergrad transfers. Okay. So as soon as the portal hit and was mainstreamed, that became supremely difficult for them to keep pace. They don't take JC kids. They don't take undergrad transfers. I think right now on their roster, what I heard the other day, they have four transfers, which is more than they've had in recent years. And all of them, all four are grad transfers and three of them are for the, from the Ivy League. Okay. So Stanford just reckons the world differently than everyone else in the Pac-12. Now, they've had to overcome those same academic challenges, getting kids in and recruiting that Notre Dame has traditionally. But compound that with these changes since NIL, since the portal, it might have been too much. So my question would be, moving forward, are we ever going to see the Stanford that we once saw when they did elevate, I mean, Stanford doesn't have this incredible history that some of these other Pac-12 programs have. I mean, think about it. John Elway never played in a bowl game. I mean, that that craziness with the Cal band, that game, that loss knocked him out of the Sun Bowl. So th there's not this rich history to draw from. Yes, Bill Walsh did some things there. Yes, Harbaugh really elevated them to new heights. And David Shaw did a nice job picking that up. Andrew Luck, what a player he was. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, they had a nice run right? Fiesta Bowl, yada, yada, yada. But this new challenge might be too much. I, I don't know. I hope not because I think Stanford's a critical part of, of college football out West. But we'll have to see. But you can't blame the ACC for at least making overtures instead of just sitting back and taking it, right? I mean, that's the job of any of these commissioners. So we'll see how this unfolds. Yeah. And I mean, I that that's a tough stance really for the ACC. I mean, again, the Pac-12 there's there's not really what's left of it. There's there's not really true yeah. any value there. And then SMU, I mean, what is that? Like that's but that's a Cincinnati or a UCF. So so for the Pac-12 if if they do want to stay together, right? I mean, they're, they're going to have to almost merge. I, I don't All think four of them. Yeah. they're not in a position to go to the Mountain West and say, "Hey, come here and be a part of this." You're, we're, they're they're going to have to merge, right? There's no way that they can stay alive unless maybe something crazy happens and like Notre Dame's maybe in the mix. Like that, I mean that that would take a miracle. But uh, you're, you're saying involving the ACC with the four remaining teams in the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I mean, I mean, I've also heard people tinker with you know, well maybe the Pac-12 can take the best of the Mountain West, and well here's the issue with that. It would almost have to go the other way around. Because the Mountain West has buyout considerations. Each of those teams, you'd have to pay their way out. And that's going to add up. And right now, the Pac-12, those four remaining teams are, I would say, hurting financially. But the truth is this. With Stanford, if anybody could go independent, I mean, the endowment at Stanford is right up there among the highest in the country. I think it's around $3 billion, some crazy amount. If they chose to, if their interest was there, uh, they could go independent. The question is, do they choose to? Is the interest there? But outside of that, if these four teams remaining in the Pac-12 wanted to grab the best of the Mountain West, you're going to have to pay for them. And they're kind of hard on cash right now, so it must be the other way around, the Mountain West grabbing the four remaining in the Pac-12 because there are no buyouts because their media deals about the toll, right? So it, it's a crazy it, world we live in. It, it is definitely a crazy world we live in. Um, but a quick read here from uh, GoMart. Um, thank you to GoMart for sponsoring the show. Uh, here to keep you going. Make sure you're signing up for your GoMart rewards. Uh, Jed, before we get out of here, 
And there was one thing that I did want to mention with the Big 12. Mm-hmm. There's a possibility that this thing goes to divisions once the the newcomers come in, they get to 16. And I, I feel like it would be a good thing, but there's probably some flaws to this thing as well. And and, and you mentioned it before we started recording. So go ahead and give your 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 I guess your pros and cons to the yeah. big 12 splitting into divisions. Well, you start with one obvious pro and one obvious con. Okay. The obvious con, you're not guaranteed that the two best teams in the league are going to face each other in the conference championship game. And ideally that's what you're striving for. You, you always have these one-offs where if you have an eight and four, nine and three champ in one division, they might dislodge a, a 10 and two or 11 and one, even second place team in the other division. And you don't want that. Okay. You don't want that. So you're, there's no guarantee you're going to get one seed versus two seed if you have divisional play with divisional champs matched up in the conference championship game. But here's the upside. When Bill Snyder, for example, was setting out to put together one of the biggest rebuilds in the history of college sports at Kansas State, I mean, they had fallen on the hardest of hard times before Bill Snyder took over that program. He was looking for any type of victory any type of building block to gain purchase and to help him take a step forward as a program. Now, he knew he was a long way off from being able to to hang a Big 12 champion banner in that locker room. But you know what he was able to do a lot sooner than that? Hang a Big 12 Northern Division champion banner in there. So banners matter. They resonate with recruits. At least you can claim you won something. So from a program building standpoint, yeah, there's something to be said for that. But again, the biggest downside to me would be the fact that you might be hurting yourself and that there's no guarantee you're going to let things unfold over the course of a 12-game season. And the, the only upside, I guess, outside of that with divisional play is if you're going to win a division, at least you faced everybody in your division. So there is that. Right. But again, there's no guarantee you get your true one versus your true two at the end of the season in the conference championship game. So there's that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's... Again, especially with the SEC, I mean, you see how heavily that that conference is swayed towards the West. I mean, it, it's a dogfight in the SEC West, and really it's Georgia and everybody else in the SEC East, and occasionally you'll get Florida to come up or or Tennessee, but it, it's usually one and everybody. I think it, just, it wasn't that long ago, Skylar, that before Kirby got Georgia going, before when Tennessee was on a hard times, and we were knocking the snot out of them down in Charlotte, right? What was in the East? I mean, <laughs> you couldn't count on Florida at the time. Yeah. And meanwhile, you had this incredibly deep SEC West sending one team to Atlanta. And it seemed kind of hollow. But, uh, yeah, there, there's there's something to be said for that. And, of course, with the, the geographic challenges that keep growing and growing and growing, I understand the thought process or the motivation behind wanting to come with divisional play because you have to find more some more sensible way to accommodate this travel, okay? Uh, to that end, there's one more thing that we wanted to talk about. Okay, we, we, with all this realignment chaos, uh, there's certain assumptions that I've heard made for the last handful of years. I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's take USC. Well, you start with football. Football drives all this, so you'll figure out how to travel from a football standpoint. You play once a week. It's event-oriented. You're on a charter. It's it's kind of NFL-like in the sense that that's not a deal breaker. Men's basketball becomes more challenging, but it's doable. You play multiple games on one trip. I mean, we do it in the Big 12 now. So, yeah, that's manageable. When you get into your secondary, tertiary, or Olympic sports, even baseball, okay, 
they're traveling commercially. They leave middle of the afternoon to in the evening uh, after a game is over, sometimes getting back in the middle of the night and they have class the next day. Uh, when you're traveling commercially, I mean, sometimes you have big kids and a commercial seat just doesn't accommodate those kids. I, there's a lot of challenges to these Olympic sports trying to do that. So I've heard people say, well, the easy way to solve that, take USC, for example. USC's baseball team, their soccer team, whatever the case might be, their tennis team, they're going to stay close because we'll get them to join the Mountain West. We'll just have them be like West Virginia and the MAC, okay? Soccer, I should say, West Virginia soccer and the MAC. At some point, if the volume of that starts to grow and you start seeing enough of these teams that are making, like, for instance, USC is going to be financing their athletic department with 60-some million dollars a year from the Big Ten right? Mountain West programs are financing their athletic department with department with $4 million a year. If you're in the Mountain West, do you really have any interest? It, let's say you coach the soccer team in the Mountain West. Do you want to play USC being financed with 15 times more money than you have? No, How do you recruit against that? How do you compete against that? I haven't heard anybody complain about that yet because I think we haven't seen it happen in in enough volume yet. But if, if you see enough teams endeavoring to do that, at some point, I have to believe these more local conferences, these more regional conferences from the G5 and, and down, they're going to there's going to be some pushback saying, whoa, 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 we don't welcome that. We don't invite that. I mean, we don't want to try and compete with somebody who's making 60 million as an athletic department against our four. I mean, look at our facilities, look at our recruiting budget. How do we possibly compete with that? Well, you don't. So stay tuned. I haven't heard anybody else address that. I haven't heard come up, up as an issue. I'm just trying to kind of stay ahead of the posse as things that might come down the road because these are unprecedented times. So is that a conversation that you'll ultimately hear take place? We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I, I don't know how that would sit well with anybody. I mean, yeah. that's just, that's, that's a tough deal. And, you know, maybe, maybe this whole conference realignment thing will bring that to light here in, in the near future. But uh, one final thank you to Fortis for uh, roof performance and financial security guaranteed. Make sure to visit Fortis.com. Um, but that's going to do it for us today. Uh, yeah, that'll do it. I think any, any final thoughts from you, Judd? I think that's it, man. We've hit it. Yeah. yeah. And that is until, uh, you know, we get all this movement here in the next couple of days. And then right. we're here talking to them. <laughs> or as, as we speak right now, for all we know. Yeah, exactly. So, my phone. Uh, yeah, I think we still have the same amount yeah. of teams. In the big yeah, now, now, by the time this episode gets up there, that, that could change. So, I mean, Absolutely. In today's world, this stuff goes old very quickly. So uh, for Jed Drenning, uh, Owen Schmidt and Wesley Euler, I'm Skylar Callahan. The one thing we always ask of you is to be in ear and tell an ear about your favorite WVU football podcast in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.